Blog Talk Radio. Good day and welcome to Momocrat's Mama Chat. I'm Donna Schwartz Mills, also known as SoCal Mom, and I'm talking today with Kara Lee of CrooksandLiars.com. It's almost New Year's Eve, so we're counting down the hits, actually the biggest political news of 2010. I think that's kind of a broadcast law, Kara Lee. Um, the week before the new year, you have to review, don't you? Absolutely. And this was a year to review. I was shocked when I went through what happened all this year to see that um, everything that, that had occurred. In fact, I had forgotten that we didn't even get our health care reform until March. Right. Right. In January... Um in January, we all thought it was going to go to a conference committee and we were going to get some of the things that the Senate didn't give us that the House did in their goodies. We thought, you know, it would go to conference committee and then they'd hammer out the details and they'd pass it and it would be done. And then Scott Brown was elected <laughs> in Massachusetts and everything changed. <laughs> so, yeah, 59 senators meant they had to do it differently and yeah, that that first three months is really stressful for any of us who wanted it. Any of us who actually wanted to see it happen. So. Yeah, and in the interim, you had the companies like uh, Blue Shield and Anthem, you know, just just going nuts, raising rates. And how much did they increase the rates in California? Fifteen percent, between fifteen and twenty, it depended. Uh, yeah. That was bad. That was really bad. Yeah. And, you know, I just keep thinking, health care, that was 2009's fight. But uh, 2010, it's it's been a roller coaster ride of a year politically. It really Between has. If, 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 if I were to have to summarize it in just a few words, I would say it was uh, Barack Obama's baptism by fire. I mean, if, if 2009 mm. was bad, 2010 was just one rolling crisis after the next. Yeah. Yeah, it didn't help that things like Deepwater Horizon happened in, you know, yeah. to distract things further in April. I mean, we get health care reform finally passed in March, and then in April you've got British Petroleum and the Gulf oil spill. And, you know, the midterm elections then dominated the summer and the fall. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> they were it, they were uh, traumatic. I guess is the word I'm looking for on the midterms. Um, you know, the passing healthcare reform mobilized the farthest right of the right. And if you stop, I mean, I know there's a lot of criticism on the left as far as it not going far enough, it not being liberal enough. So there was just a survey out yesterday that basically said of the people that don't approve of uh, the Affordable Care Act, 25% of them think it doesn't go far enough, it's not liberal enough. Um, but with all that said, um, insurance companies employ a lot of people in this co- country, either via being insurance agents or being, uh, you know, in, internal administrative mm-hmm. people. And if you don't think that that had a lot to do with the 
way the midterms went, guess again, um, it did. And they mobilized and uh, pushed hard to elect people to undo it. I mean, it is still their number one priority. Every day I get an email from some Tea Party organization and, and prioritizing 2011 and repeal of health care reform law is the top priority. And it, it's one of the more blatant ones that I, I was actually surprised that they would put this in writing, you know, said that uh, essentially they have to repeal it because once people, and, and it's true, once people find out what it's like to actually have access to health care, they'll never be able to repeal it. So they've only got till 2014. <laughs> Uh, you see, I, 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 that makes me absolutely speechless that they would actually say that um, because isn't that what we want? Don't we want all of our citizens to be able to have access to health care? Who wouldn't want that? Tea Party people don't want that. <laughs> they, this is the, the myth of liberty, right? The, the myth is, Oh well, if, if if you have to have it, right? It's it's all about the mandate. They don't like the mandate. They don't, and of course, if without the mandate, you don't have healthcare right. that covers people. So, it, it and so for them, this is about um, this this thing. You know, you now have to buy, even though you're buying it from an insurance company, right? Not from the government. Instead of it being Medicare for all, which which wouldn't have been mandated and would have made sense. Well, it would have been mandated in the sense that it would have had to be a tax. So there would have been mandated. It would have been different. Um, You you know, but for them, the the whole thing is, or at least this is their their fronting argument. Their fronting argument is uh, we don't... you know, we don't want health care reform because we don't want to be forced to get health care if we don't want it. And I, I, don't even ask me where there's logic in that because health care is one of those things everybody needs at some point in yeah. their life. I yeah. mean, either when they're born or when they die, and sometime in between they're going to need it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a quick story because I know we don't have a ton of time here, but um, over Christmas my middle son got sick, 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 fever, the whole nine yards. And um, I went to, I called the doctor. The doctor was on vacation, said go to the urgent care. The urgent care wasn't open until Monday. So, I mean, it wasn't bad enough the for the emergency urgent room. The urgent care wasn't open until Monday? Until Monday, right. So, I, you know, the emergency room, was it wasn't urgent enough to go to the emergency room. It wasn't life-threatening. Um, it's just miserable. So we went to, you know, went to urgent care. Here's the good part of the story. We went to urgent care on um, Monday, and our insurance has been changed to conform with what the law is going to look like in right. 2014. So I handed them my card. I was not asked for a copay. They, I, we waited a while. We waited probably, I don't know, 45 minutes, which is longer than we would have waited at our normal doctor. He was seen by a doctor I thought was very good. They did us, you know, uh, throw a culture on the spot, said, yeah, it's strapped, gave us the prescriptions, and sent us on our way. 
I still didn't pay anything. Then I went to the pharmacy and, you know, the prices on the prescriptions were lower than they were last year. And uh, I'm thinking, what's wrong with this? (laughs) (laughs) Why is this a bad thing? I don't don't understand. You know, I I would have been willing, by the way, to pay a copay, but it fell under the preventive, uh, under the, the umbrella of preventive. Right, right. So... And because we waited and didn't go to the emergency room and jam up the emergency room and it didn't cost. Right. What's wrong with that? I don't get that. I don't understand why that's a bad thing. What's wrong with it is that it was a Democratic president in Congress that rammed it through. Rammed it through, right. All I can say is I've got got an ulcer watching him ram it through. I know. Not I know. a Democratic president either. It was that he's a black Democratic president. Let's be real. There's a ton of racism going on, and it's 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 starting to even get more blatant. And I I hate it. But. More more blatant than sending out emails with watermelons and on the White House lawn. More blatant than that. Well, yeah, yeah. Because emails are like, uh, you know, they're still sort of kind of private, but. They're, they they just do it in public now, you know. I mean, yeah. everything they do practically is a dog whistle. They, it, it's it's really awful to see, you know, uh, uh, what they're doing. And I guess I, I, in trying to be somewhat understanding, but not empathetic or sympathetic to it, um, I, I guess it comes out of fear. I mean, I think there's some kind of fear on these people's parts that you know they're they're not superior anymore. Oh. I'm sorry, that's too bad. <laughs> Not I mean, the ones absolutely in power. I mean, you know, you you see the resistance. You know, it's been, what, 150 years since the end of the Civil War. And yet, you know, it's still being fought. It's still being fought in the textbooks. It's still being fought, you know, throughout you know, states' rights, you know, that's popped up again, you know? Oh, well, expect that, too, for about the next three years, not only because we've got a black guy in the White House, but because it's the 150th anniversary of the Civil War starting yes. next year. So it's yeah. going to be, you're going to have all the reenactments and you're going to have all the rewrites. You know, we've already seen Haley Barber. I know, Haley Barber. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the Citizens Council. You know, life in Mississippi was great in the 60s during the time of the oh, Citizens Council. Right. Yeah. I, my, I had family in Mississippi that we went back to see, so I, I know he's lying about that. <laughs> I don't even have to guess on that one. I know what Mississippi was like in the 60s. So, uh, yeah, it was – he's awful. I mean, he's Boss Hogg yeah i remember him from his time as head of the republican party and he'd be on meet the press and it's like oh my goodness this is the guy that they've got as their spokesman and you're right he is a boss hog definite physical yeah. resemblance and talks like him and oh yeah i mean and he's oh well He's as corrupt as they come. I mean, it, it, as uh, the head of the Republican Governors Association this year, he was laundering money through Michigan for the midterms, uh, you know, in order to – because most states have contribution limits 
Um, and of course, we have federal contribution limits. So he was he was pushing money through Michigan where there are none. So, for example, Rick Perry in Texas got a $3 million bonus to his campaign in the last two weeks through the Michigan. Excuse me. That is my daughter's ringtone. My husband keeps trying to call me. Now he's calling on the other phones. Okay. This is what happens when you are a mom trying to do a radio show in the middle of the day. Um, it's true. It is true, but uh, we're all uh, we're all uh, busy people. Um, I aside, I love the ringtone. I just gotta say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I need to put that on silent. Um, he's probably going to call again too. Um, so anyway, we talked about healthcare. We yeah. talked about uh, Haley Barber and uh, the coming year. Some of the other things that happened this year. I mean, I was just shocked going through this rundown. I mean, um, in January alone, we had uh, the Citizens United ruling. We had um, an earthquake in Haiti. Oh, right. You know what? Now, that I thought was 2009, so that one surprised me. It was 2010. Wow. Okay. might have been 2009. We were writing about it in, in – it might have been the end of 2009. We were writing about it in January, so I probably should have date-checked that. But, That's all right. um, You know, we had James O'Keefe getting caught and arrested for dirty tricks at Senator Landry's office. Right. And that was a good one, you know the yeah, way they bright Bart protege. Uh huh. Yeah, the way they smeared Acorn and absolutely destroyed it because of those dirty tricks. And uh, Breitbart's people continue to to be merry pranksters, you yeah. know. Not so merry, but but yeah. And that's in July you had you know the uh, Breitbart smear of. Shirley Sherrod, which was mm. you know, yet again another effort at racism and uh, effort at it was an expression of racism yeah. and uh, unfortunately that was one where the administration played right into their hand and yeah. um, hopefully they've learned that you know that they shouldn't ever turn. first of all I mean I, I wrote a post for Crooks and Liars back in July when this all broke that said you know, listen to me carefully and repeat after me about a zillion times, Breitbart lies. Andrew Breitbart lies. Once <laughs> <laughs> you understand that, you don't react to whatever he publishes because it's all baloney anyway. Yeah. I mean, at least check it out before reacting. I mean, they were trying to get ahead of the news cycle, but uh, that totally backfired on them. And... I think this is part of what you were referring to when you called this President Obama's year of trial by fire. Oh, yeah. I mean, between the, let's think about all the things that, that, you know, he took hits on, that when the Deepwater Horizon blew up, the administration didn't react fast enough. When Shirley Sherrod blew up, he reacted too fast. Um it, I, I'm, I'm talking about now the common wisdom, not my own opinion on this right. stuff. But although I do think right. the Yahoo reacted too fast on Sherrod, uh, 
you, you know, it's like whatever he does, I accept the fact that whatever this guy does, he's going to get some kind of ridiculous inane criticism. It's going to start with Fox News and sort of infect the whole Washington, D.C. Beltway mainstream press, you know, and the charade thing was one of those, and as was the, the Deepwater Horizon. Um, but on the other hand, he did get Elena Kagan onto the Supreme Court, so that's a good thing. I that's mean, a really, really good look thing. At this, look at this list. Um, oh, you know what? Let me back up for a minute. I read an article just yesterday about how Sotomayor has changed the whole dynamic of the Supreme Court. Yes. Um, that she's much more assertive in the questioning than Roberts ever was, that she's, she, you know, she's aggressive even about how she comes yeah. to things. And um, I'm, I'm just tickled about that because that's that's what we need, man. We we need these somebody like Sonia Sotomayor and Kagan. They're not, you know, they didn't know about yet, but Kagan is, uh, from what I've read, making an effort to kind of be a bridge builder and, yes. you know, that's good too because, you know, sometimes that's what you need to pull them back from the dark side. Yes. <laughs> yes. Now that article was in the LA Times yesterday and it is there's a link to it right now on the Momocrats Facebook page. Oh great. So, okay. Yeah, that that was a really good article and it really did say that, you know, already there is a difference in the debate happening with the Supreme Court because we have two new women liberal justices on the panel. And um that that was victory. That was definitely right. a victory for our side. Right. So, uh, yeah. I mean, you have he's gotten two Supreme Court nominees in in his first two years. He's got um, health care reform passed, uh, Wall Street regulatory reform passed. Not as strong as we'd like, but still a lot better than what there was. We've got Elizabeth right. Warren overseeing that. Uh, which is an excellent, excellent thing. She's wonderful. Yeah. And um, and then we come to the midterms, and and the midterms we get hammered or shellacked, whichever. Shellacked. Is <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and but prior to the midterms, back in January, we had Citizens United. Right. Right. And, and I and they think that just yeah, that let the floodwaters just go and and the money um it was crazy i mean how else does someone like sharon engel become a viable candidate against harry reed <laughs> and to his credit harry reed managed to smack back that challenge pretty handily as it turned out in the end and um then delivered on a whole bunch of campaign promises and you know, props to him yeah. for doing that. But uh, yeah. but but oh yeah, no. And I just wrote about this. I've got a post coming out a little bit later today on Crooks and Liars uh, because we have 23 Senate seats. Well, 22 Senate seats up for grabs that in 2012. They had 10 months to fund and. Uh, tape the house basically they they bought their seats they got them 
now they have two years. If we as Democrats do not start now lining up and getting decent candidates to challenge them, forcing them to spend money where they don't want to spend money instead of letting them spread it all over the place like they did in the midterms, we're going to get shellacked again, I'm afraid. Yeah. In 2012, I mean, if we don't start, you know, stepping up now as each and every one of us individuals, you know, even, and start to to participate, we're going to be in real trouble in 2012, yeah. I think. Because of well, Citizens United. Do you think the party is getting on top of it? Are there any indications? I don't know. I I I I, I want to think so, and then I see like the guy that they've got now for the the DCCC. To me, the blue dog. He's, you know, maybe I'm wrong about this, but I just I. We need a Howard Dean type who's going to be more aggressive. I, I'm not. 100% Howard Dean fan, but I do appreciate the fact that he actually had a strategy and went after it. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to kind of sitting around wringing his hands, and I'd like to see more of that from the Democrats. So I'm hoping that oh. there's going to be a little bit more organization coming up in 2011. Maybe if Rom doesn't get to run for mayor in Chicago, he can come back in. <laughs> <laughs> He's aggressive. Oh, shoot. Well, we shall see. So, So anyway. What what a fantastic uh, December, though, we end up having after, you know, everything. It's almost like having come through the fire on the other side. December, you know, brought it all together and and made the diamond. Yeah. Uh, I mean, with the repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell, that, that was awesome. I mean, that that's going to be, interestingly, for all the other accomplishments he had this year, the repeal of Don Estantel will be viewed as his his civil rights victory. Yeah. yeah. And it was. Um, yeah. It was and it is. And it's that's fantastic. I mean, when he was elected, do you remember him saying that he'd rather be a great, you know, a good president for four years then constantly be angling for its reelection. Yes. And you know, in other words, he was gonna he was gonna do the things he thought was right regardless of what political cost he paid for that. And I think that what you see in this last year and the year before, but especially in this last year, is that coming to I mean it you can't look at this list without saying, you know what, I mean, he took he took 16 different ways of political hits on this, but the stuff that yeah. he's done just in this last year is going to change this country for the better for generations, you know? Yeah, I agree. Now, Carolee, you keep referring to the list. Are you talking about this little rundown sheet that I sent you before the show? Yes, um, I am. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's okay. You know, what I'm going to do is um, – Type this up with links on the Momocrat site and post it on the Momocrat site today so that anyone listening to this on the archive or, you know, coming back to it will be able to see, you know, what we are talking about. You know, I think I think we need to have a, a year-end review on the Momocrat site as it is. So this, this probably will uh, suffice because uh, it's pretty comprehensive. It is it's, pretty comprehensive. Um, 
you know, it starts in January with the with the details we we discussed. Goes into February, where um, talking about the election, we have the historical footnote of Carly Fiorina's infamous demon sheep ad. Oh um, my gosh! Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we could talk about some of the fun stuff that happened, right? I mean, yeah. Christine O'Donnell, you know, don't call me a witch, and. Uh, and uh, John Stewart's uh, rally to restore sanity. Oh, you know? yeah. Well, and and even Virginia Thomas leaving Anita Hill a message on her voicemail. I mean, talk about a blast from the past. What's I mean, what was up with that? that? <laughs> you know, if I mean, if she really wanted to get closure, opening it up again like that is not the way right. to do it. Right. Exactly. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, it, that that almost sounded like a drunk dial when I first heard about it. She's, you know, it's like sitting around finishing off a bottle of wine, getting madder and madder that this woman almost wrecked her husband's career. You know, kind of going back through the list of things that piss her off, and next thing you know, she's on the phone calling, going, "Apologize." I don't know. I yeah, mean, I, I couldn't imagine doing something like that in in a, not a hundred million years. I know. Oh. Bizarre. I know that was that was just crazy, and then of course my favorite moment this year was when uh, Cinematic and I were at the women's conference and saw Meg Whitman get booed by a whole auditorium full of women. Um, for those of you who are not Californians, Meg Whitman was the very wealthy eBay executive, former eBay chairwoman who uh, who ran for governor here and dropped more money than anybody, any individual ever has in history for a governorship. $140 million. Of her right. own money. Yeah. Of her right. own money. And lost to uh, to Jerry, Jerry Brown, Brown. Who, <laughs> who didn't even start campaigning until September 1st. Right. Right. Uh, yeah, and... And and to his credit, once he did start campaigning, he was a great candidate. I mean, he didn't spend a ton of money. If the, the the election itself was a great example of you, you had Mike Whitman with her $140 million spending money on private jets to fly around California and hire consultants and, and all sorts of stuff. And uh, she's saying she's going to make our budget, you know, balance. Oh, yeah? <laughs> he had Jerry Brown, you know, with his, like, little... $10 million in the bank or whatever it was that I don't think he even spent half of. He no. ran some ads and he spent time with people and, and he had a lot of connections. He has a lot of political connections to California. Um, well, obviously. I mean, he's, you know, son of a governor. He was governor. Right. And, um, you know, he, he knows California politics and California being the mess that it is. You know, I'm glad we elected someone who does know the state and knows the legislature intimately the way he does. Yep, and and I I really do have faith that he'll he'll turn the state around. I mean, I keep I get really tired of seeing California cited as you know the, a candidate for state bankruptcy. That's just not going to happen. No. Um, and, and but you know, again, we have the popular kind of national wisdom that California is a mess. I, just watch us because we're going to turn it all around and they're, uh, and when we do, it's going to be because Jerry Brown did it and, and managed to get it done. 
Yeah. So. No, he's he's a very capable person, and he is very good at disappointing people. <laughs> he doesn't mind. You know, it's going to be it's going to be a bad several years because it is going to be a bad several bad. years, and he will disappoint people. And to that to that end, it's probably good that that he is a former governor, and you know, so he probably will only serve one term. But yeah. That term, I think, will be the turnaround term that will set a stage for you know the next the next steps by a another Democratic governor because California has been wrecked by Republican governors. It's time for us yeah. to get that. Yeah. Yeah. And not to mention the um, the propositions, the ballot propositions that we. Oh. Uh, like you know, Prop 8, yeah, like Prop 8, which was overturned, and uh, we'll probably keep having to fight it through to the Supreme Court. But um, I oh, think the I writing's on the wall. That's a good segue, I would think, into since we only have a couple of minutes left here. We know, have we like one for, minute left, so 2011. You know what? What are the big stories going to be for next year? And I think one of them is going to be the end of Prop 8. I think that you know yeah. we'll see. Next year will be the year that it goes away uh, forever, and along with it, nationally will be those marriage laws. I think there yeah. will be nothing done in Congress. I think there will be a lot done by the administration. And it may be the year of foreign policy. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. So. Well, on that note, um, Carol Lee, thank you for joining us. I hope you have a very happy new year. I hope we all have a happier year than we had uh, this last year with all the ups and downs, although it sure ended nicely in December. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm ready for another roller coaster ride. All right. Well, Happy New Year to you and Happy New Year to everybody out there listening. And uh, stay tuned. 2011 is going to be just as interesting. (laughs) Okay. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye.